Welcome to Thrive Beyond Pornography, the podcast where real couples like us candidly navigate the journey to a healthier, more connected life. Join us as we share personal experiences, expert insights, and practical tips to help you thrive in your relationships and break free. Together, let's repair and build a rock-solid connection, becoming a couple that can overcome any challenge. You're listening to the Self Mastery Podcast, where we break through barriers holding you back from becoming who you want to be. Whether you're struggling with pornography, overeating, social media addiction, or just want to get better at succeeding at life, this podcast is for you. Now your host, Zach Spafford. Hey everybody and welcome to another beautiful Mastery Monday here on the Self Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Spafford, and I have Darcy with me. Hi. She's here. That's awesome. Just a quick reminder, if you wanted to leave us a review on iTunes and send us that review, either via Instagram at zackspafford.selfmasterycoach or at Darcy Spafford, you can get entered into a drawing so that you could be in part of in our next group coaching program. If that's interesting to you, you basically have today and tomorrow to do it. And then on the 30th, there's going to be somebody in there that got it for free, which is awesome. Also, if you are interested in having a conversation with Darcy and I, Sign up for this month's webinar in the show notes. All right, so today we are going to talk about the power that pornography has. And really, I guess the question is, how much power does pornography have? So many of us want pornography to have no power over our husbands, over our children, over our own lives. And yet, so many of us allow pornography to have so much power over us. Why? Let's just talk for a minute about the attractive capacity of pornography. So let's be honest, right? The human body is beautiful. Arousal feels great, and climax is totally enjoyable. When we see others doing something that's beautiful, arousing, and enjoyable, even outside of pornography, that fires all kinds of empathic receptors in us. And as human beings, creatures that our Heavenly Father has put on the earth to learn and grow and have empathy and mimicry, they're all key components of our survival and success. We are also creatures of comparison. We look at someone and we think how we compare to them. Are we taller? Are we shorter? Better looking or not as handsome, right? Stronger, weaker. All of that is part of this game our brains play to determine if we are sexually compatible with or mating rivals with others. Add to that the human sex response, which is one of the strongest drives in our system, and you can see how pornography might draw you in and keep you entertained for a pretty long time. When I think of all the things that I just mentioned and and how so much of our biology drives us towards this highly pleasurable, highly rewarding, low-cost option, it's no wonder that the statistics show that in one study of 18 to 35-year-olds over a six-month period, 98% of men and 73% of women reported internet pornography use. That, to me, is astounding. And I would hope that those figures are lower among LDS men and women, but without data on that, I'll just say that these figures give us a picture of its overall usage within society. And I wouldn't say that it's a huge difference in the LDS population. Yeah, there's probably a pretty similar distribution, maybe 10 points lower with with members of the church, would be my guess. What, What would you think? I don't know. I remember when we were doing therapy long, long time ago, the therapist said it was like 85% of men in the church have either struggled with it or are struggling with it. So it's a pretty significant number of people, regardless. That That, is not statistic. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. A lot of that's anecdotal, right? And and that's astounding. And I would just, you know, 
I would just say that this is just going to give us an overall picture of usage. So what does someone get from viewing pornography? And again, my goal is, you know, it's to be clear and it's to be honest about what I perceive to be the realities of the issue. Just as we discussed on my podcast, Get on the Map, you need to know where you are so you can get to where you want to be. And from my perspective, the number one and most significant and possibly the only reason that many people who have a moral objection to pornography viewing continue to view pornography is pornography relieves uncomfortable or negative feelings. I want to note that I saw a post on social where a wife was saying that the husband was viewing pornography occasionally, but that they were unclear why he kept going back. It was something they had tried to figure out, but had had no success doing so. This is why coaches often say it's hard to read the label from inside the bottle. This is one of those things that demonstrates to me why everyone should have a coach. Tiger Woods has a coach. Tom Brady has a coach. CEOs, business leaders, world leaders, and presidents all have coaches because they want to be the best they can be. And even our most brilliant among us sometimes have trouble seeing you know, how our swing might be adjusted or how actions might be improved and how our thoughts are creating a result that is no longer serving us. So for those men and women who are dealing with pornography use that they would rather not have in their lives, most often they're doing so as a way to address the feelings they're untrained to deal with. What I mean by that is all of us have coping mechanisms that we use to feel more at ease in various situations. Some of them create long-term positive outcomes and others create long-term negative outcomes. For example, I had a friend who suffered with um, social anxiety and her husband loved to throw parties. And so he would throw these big parties and there were times when right before the party was supposed to start, I'd get a text like saying, hey, can you come down and be my little security blanket because I'm really anxious about all these people coming and you're really good at just like doing small talk with anyone. So I was always more than willing to go down and help her feel better in that moment. And deal with her negative feelings. Yeah. I love it. For most pornography users that I work with, they feel the momentary and immediate relief that's created by the arousal. And as a result, their immediate discomfort abates. While simultaneously, they're setting themselves up for the unpleasant conversations with their spouse, decreased trust in themselves and belief in themselves, and increased negative emotions. So pornography is a huge draw biologically. It also has significant capacity to help us manage and deal with our immediate discomforts. Those are the reasons why we perceive pornography to have power. Now, let's talk about the reasons pornography is completely rejectable. Now, some of you out there right now listening to me would like me to say, well, it's disgusting, and they would, you would like me to place some moral judgment on the behavior and on those who both create and view the material, and I'm, I'm not going to do that. The reason I'm not going to do that is because my goal here is to help people who want to stop a behavior in their own lives. I never once have ever met anyone who positively responded to shaming in the long run in a sustainable way. And here I would like to just kind of go back to the example of the Savior and take him into account and ask, how did he treat anyone who sinned? And specifically, the woman brought in adultery. And I keep talking about this story and I, I because I love it, but partly because it really, it faces the Savior directly head on with someone who has sinned in a way that you know, we might find pretty egregious as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and you see the Savior's example. There were no protestations of innocence. You know, she didn't say anything to indicate that she was unaware of the rules. So I think it's safe to say and assume that 
this woman brought by the by the men in fact had sex with a man outside of the marital covenant. So for the men who had brought her, their purpose was to make an example of her to the community, to make Jesus condemn this woman to certain death by stoning. Yeah, that's right. These guys wanted to throw actual rocks at this woman in an effort to deter her and others from, from this behavior. And Jesus, rather than participate in this farce of justice seeking, he instead said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. I won't cast stones being all too aware of my own weaknesses. So I'm not going to talk about pornography as something that's disgusting. And talking about it as something that's disgusting doesn't really serve the purpose of the conversation, which is how can we help people choose to reject pornography, notwithstanding the considerable reasons it has a draw on our attention and on our physical desires. As a wife, I feel like it's important that we don't sit there and tell our husbands how disgusting pornography is and how disgusting it is that they even want to look at that and all that because in all reality, they know how we feel already, right? They know that we are not okay with it, that we are not attracted to it, right? That we find it even repulsive, some of us. And so telling our husbands that is not really going to help them. And in fact, I think a lot of the husbands, you know, intellectually and morally feel the same exact way that that us wives do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really important in this discussion is that we just hold open that open mind and we just go, okay, this is not something we want in our lives. And we don't have to necessarily get into all of the detailed reasons as to why we think that it shouldn't be in our lives. And that's really the first thing that you want to do. So let's talk about the, you know, how you can choose to reject pornography. First, decide what you want that moral line to be. Going back to the couple who were having trouble figuring out what kept drawing the husband back into viewing things they had chosen to see as unacceptable in their marriage, I often talk about agency in terms of three main components. To have agency, you have to know what's right and wrong, you have to have consequences, and you have to have the capacity to choose. So let's set aside those last two and talk about what's right and wrong. For many people, viewing pornography is okay, and for many others, it is not. When it comes to the power pornography has over you, and this is one of the key components to rejecting it, you must first decide what for you is right and wrong. Are bikini pictures okay, but nudity is not? Is a sex scene in a movie you're watching with your spouse okay, but solo, that's not okay to watch that? For me, my line has really been, if it is arousing media, print, pictures, or videos, I avoid it. What I'm saying is, you have to choose the line your line, not the church's line, not your wife's line, and not the line of anyone else, your line. Obviously, you may want to choose a line that more closely mirrors that of your church or of your spouse or of someone else, but whatever the line is, it has to be yours. I think of like with dieting, Mm -hmm. you know, like if somebody's like, you have to eat exactly this and only this forever, right? Yeah. That is just like my brain automatically rejects that. I'm like, no way. I'm not going to eat exactly what you tell me to eat every meal. To me, that is just not happening because I didn't choose that. Right. Right. And there's literally no one I've ever met who eats the same way you do. So no matter no matter what your line is, your it's your line. Right. Like you have to pick that line. And, you know, let me give you an example. For me, I always had a line that I wouldn't pay for pornography even when I was choosing to use pornography regularly. My line was always, you know, somewhere right there before I had to pay for it. 
that was my line because I chose it, not because it was like the, you know, something that came from the church. And, you know, that example of food, it's the same thing. Your line is you won't eat meat, right? That's one of the things that you don't do. And it doesn't matter how many times people try to get me to cross my line of eating meat, right? Like, Even when it smells good. There's been occasions where she's like, oh, that smells good. Yeah. But, and I will not eat it. Or yeah. when I'm pregnant, I totally will crave it, but I will not eat it because it is really disgusting to me. Right, exactly. It grosses me out. And so, yeah, I just kind of equate it to that. Like, you're not going to get I, me to eat, yeah. eat meat and step over that line. Well, I think food and pornography have lots of really good parallels. And in, and in this case, when the line is yours, you will choose not to cross it. And eventually, even if you do cross it, occasionally, you will eventually say, no, 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 that really is my line. And I've crossed it enough times to know that I don't want to go to the other side of it. And that's the key here. Yeah, I'm pretty certain if I were to just eat meat now, I haven't really eaten meat since seventh grade, I would probably be so sick. That's probably true. (laughs) Yeah. So that's number two on this list of things that you can do to remove pornography from your life is once you know your line and you have clearly defined it, experiment on how you can stay on the side that you want to be on. For my line, any arousing media, it wasn't easy to figure out at first because I wasn't in tune to the way I was feeling. I had to practice being aware of the feelings I had going on in my body and the subtle difference between objective and curious. For me, objective led to understanding and curious led to one click too far usually. On the journey to self-mastery, I found that it was important to be careful of what curiosity would end up at. And probably, almost invariably, that was usually disappointment in myself, where objectivity and understanding rarely led to that next click because I wasn't looking to see any more than I already had seen. Being objective about what I was seeing allowed me to notice that what I was seeing wasn't going to lead to anything on my side of the line I had drawn. And so... Let me just clarify, right? So being objective is observing dispassionately what's going on inside your head and being curious is just allowing that next interesting thing to draw you in. And experimenting through objectivity allowed me to you know, assess what was happening, what would happen, and what had happened without judgment. It, I looked at the facts and I worked to set shame aside. And this allowed me to understand the process that I was using to avoid my emotions and then begin to reassert my agency in choosing to feel stressed, lonely, or upset rather than avoid them with pornography or any other buffer. This is the part that you're gonna need to be willing to fail at and understand that there is a likelihood that things may get worse before getting better. Just like a golfer, you know, when they adjust their swing to improve mechanics, oftentimes they get worse before they get better. And you very likely will experience some of the same. But don't give up. Don't let your spouse derail you because sometimes they will want to because they want to see immediate results. And don't waste the learning process by thinking you have to start over. Start from where you are and try something new. And continually reassess where you are in that process. The women I talk to often want to know how long did it take for Zach to make progress or when did I see it or you know all of that kind of stuff and the answer is too long yeah and, and I and I honestly say I'm like it was like a five-year process right I mean granted he was like figuring things out on his own and I didn't all, have a coach I had to that. figure all of this out without a coach and you were learning and growing and all that and to be honest I was learning and growing yeah during that time like I was trying to figure out how do I want to show up how how am I contributing to this 
And I think it's very valuable to give our spouses the opportunity and the space to to deal with what's going on for them, right? To yeah. deal with their emotions, to deal with their, you know, viewing when they don't want to be and learning from it and growing from it. And, and not feeling like they have to start over. I mean, just, again, remember, thinking about your husband or your spouse or your child or whatever as maybe a toddler who's trying to walk. This is a process of learning a new skill that they don't currently have. So be cognizant of that and, and try to show up as best you can in those moments. You know, you could go back, I think, two or three episodes now and listen to the episode about the last time that I almost went down the rabbit hole. It's a great episode. It's a great conversation between Darcy and I where she talks about how she ended up in a place that she could really be able to let me grow and learn and be with my feelings and not have to beat me up over just the, the smallest of, of steps, right? All right, number three here, pornography never shows up in your living room as a naked body and says, <laughs> we're here and you're going to watch, right? It never does that, which means that you have to give consent all along the process, which means you have to practice saying no. In the program, I do teach people a simple three-step process to dealing with their urges. And urges are just powerful emotions that are driving us to do something. That, and that something often feels good. I talk about Rachel Hart's Stop, Drop, and Breathe, and I talked about this in this particular skill in my podcast, Willpower is the Wrong Tool. And I'll link to that in the show notes below. The problem that most of us have is that we fight our urges. We fight that thing that we think has just showed up in our lives. And there are a couple of problems with this. First, fighting takes up a lot of mental energy and it doesn't feel good. It actually requires you to battle it out with the one person that you can never beat, yourself. So second, when we fight, we're setting up a situation where there has to be a winner and a loser. And the win-lose equation that you're, you create is your higher brain versus your lower brain. Well, your lower brain you know, some people call it your lizard brain, it has one overarching responsibility, and that's to keep you alive. So in the battle between existential fulfillment based on moral principles or your higher brain and keeping you alive, guess which one is going to win out 99% of the time? It's going to be your lower brain. So you might say, but pornography doesn't keep us alive, right? Well, try telling that to the part of your brain that only functions in terms of how much dopamine it gets, how to keep you from getting hurt, feeling bad, or dying, and how to save as much energy as possible. And by the way, pornography hits all three of those spectacular criteria pretty hard. It's a low-cost way to fulfill basic biological urges within the sex response, which is a high dopamine activity, and when you're doing it, you don't feel sad, and you don't feel lonely, or you don't feel frustrated, you just feel aroused. So rather than fight with your lower brain, you have to allow your urges to exist without acting on them. You have to see them without seeing them as the enemy. You have to observe them without engaging. You have to become the narrator of your own wildlife film. Observe, narrate, never engage. I feel like that's the motto of, of, of what wildlife film people do. They're like, oh, that lion's eating that gazelle. Like They don't get into the middle of it and fight with the lion to save the gazelle's life. They're just like... That's what happened. That's what nature is. And saying no is both saying it with words and with relaxed, consistent willingness to feel urges and knowing that they can't do anything unless you consent. That's where the real power lies, in your own capacity to just be without having to do. And I kind of liken this 
to being around your very best friends. You know when you're around people that you don't really know and there's that silence and all of a sudden it becomes awkward because you never, you like, you're like, oh, I don't know what to say to this person clearly and so it's totally awkward. Well, when you're with your best friends and when you're with maybe with your spouse, when, when we're together, like, I don't feel compelled to say anything. And sometimes that ticks you off. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> right? But I also am comfortable there. And that's how you need to be. You need to be without having to do anything about it. And that's the same thing you have to have with your own thoughts. Seeing pornography as a thing that has a power of attraction and you have the power of rejection sets up a simple set of questions that you can use to place your higher brain back in charge of your decision making around it. For example, what side of the line is this on? Do And another one is, do I already know how to stay on my side of the line when it comes to this type of thing? Do I have to act on this or just allow it without doing anything? Questioning your thoughts and urges calmly and without judgment will allow them to just leave when they're not really as useful as they seem to be at first. Questioning the thoughts and the feelings that you have allowing them to exist without fighting them and recognizing them for what they are, which is suggestions from your brain, will show you that pornography doesn't have power over you, but you are consenting to its influence in your life. I have a question for you. Tell me. What were the kinds of thoughts that you had to question? Yeah, I think it's anything from I'm bored, right, to, oh, that's interesting, because to me, like I said earlier, curiosity is, was a place of, of going down the rabbit hole, where objectivity, which was this, this place of being able to look objectively at what was going on, gave me the ability to just take a step back. So if I had a thought like, oh, I wonder why this particular person has this particular kind of picture, like without getting too graphic, right? Why is this person showing up in my newsfeed? When I don't like, I don't even know that person, and question those thoughts of like, oh, am I actually curious about this person? Do I want to know about them as a human, or am I trying to like see what more I can see about them that would lead me down the rabbit hole? Does that make sense? Yeah. So like, you see an attractive person on, say, Sports Illustrated. You know, right. you're there reading about football, but you might see like a cheerleader, and you're like, oh, I wonder who she is. I don't. I should right. Google her. I should look her up. Is that yeah. kind of what you mean? Yeah, exactly. So question those thoughts in a, in a way that allows you to just say, oh, that's that. do I really want to know who that person is? Like, would I, would I ever really want to read about them beyond looking at their body for self-gratification? And in doing that, it freed up my mind to really be like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's probably on the wrong side of the line. Maybe that's on the wrong side of the line. And just go down that path of questioning and allowing the thought to exist because I think what a lot of people do is they go, oh, there's that cheerleader. No, I can't do that. And then they try to push it out of their mind as though it's wrong to see other people as humans on the planet. And when you, when you try to push other people out of your mind, your lower brain's like, wait, but that could be the way that we like, could feel good. And we want to feel good all the time. So just kind of keeping that in mind. And, and just, again, being willing to take a step back and question your own thoughts and question your own feelings in that moment. So I hope this none of this came across as harsh or judgmental. And I hope that within that statement, you know, the one that says that you're consenting to pornography's influence in your life, you kind of find 
hope and freedom that's available to you when you correctly understand the influences in your life and you treat them according to what you want and not what they might want for you and what those influences might be doing to you. I think the power really comes when you realize that you are choosing to look at pornography, right? Because just saying like, oh, it just happened or I didn't, I don't know. It just like was there and, you know, like trying to take. um, Distance uh, yourself from the behavior by using language that, that sets you up as a passive observer, right? Oh, I just like, like my phrase, I went down the rabbit hole, right? I went down the rabbit hole is much more active in, in terms of me saying, yeah, I chose that rather than I found myself falling down the rabbit hole or I slipped. I slipped is a, is a pretty common one that I hear. In fact, the other day I was talking to somebody and I was like, you slipped. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Cause when you slip, you're like on ice and you don't have control. Right. But if you can, if somebody can walk in while you're looking at pornography and you can stop, then you're not slipping you're walking down a path that you may not choose in your best moments, but you're completely in control of, right? Slipping is like, I'm sliding down a mountain and I can't get a foothold. That's not what we're talking about here. And that's what I mean when I say you are consenting to pornography and its influence in your life. And it's not, and, and to your point, Darcy, taking back your agency is consent is saying, yes, I am consenting to this. I recognize fully that I'm choosing this behavior. And now, you know, hopefully with this podcast, you've learned a little bit about why you're choosing this behavior because they're like, like we said at the top of the show, there are a lot of really significant markers within pornography that your brain and your body really appreciate. They, they have these triggers these these cues within them that say hey this is a really important thing to do sex is a really important thing to do within the human experience so your brain obviously wants to participate in as much sex as possible but your higher brain wants to say this is not the kind of sex that i want and that's the place where you have to get to is saying oh i actually am choosing this because of all of these these lower brain reasons that are really important and powerful but I'm going to try, I'm going to, you know, choose not to use it because I, it's no longer something that serves me. It doesn't really make me happy in the way that I want to be happy. And I think that's important. Absolutely. Yeah. You're so good. See, I was shaking my head and I was like, oh, I should say words. (laughs) Perfect. I love it. All right, you guys, Darcy's finally learned that she can't just shake her head and you guys will see. So that's pretty awesome. This This has been a great podcast. If for only that reason. Listen, if you guys have any questions for me, please feel free to reach out via Facebook or Instagram, or you can just go straight to my website, zaxbaffer.com. I always love doing these podcasts. If you have questions, if you have something that you want us to talk about, just send me a note. I'd love to hear it. And if you have questions for Darcy, you can go to her Instagram. She would love to talk to you at Darcy Spafford. Is it Darcy.Spafford? Yes. Yeah, it's at Darcy.Spafford. So at her if that's a thing in Instagram. I don't know if that's a thing in Instagram. I'm super good at Instagram. Can you tell? All right. Have a great week. Have a great Mastery Monday. And you guys, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Self Mastery Podcast. Imagine you sitting next to your loved one and no longer bogged down by the greatest trial of your life. 
Each month, I offer a free webinar that you can attend where you can get your questions answered about how you can break free from pornography use. Take a moment now and go to the website, zackspafford.com slash free call, and you can sign up for free. You don't want to miss out on this amazing opportunity to ask questions, learn a new skill, and even get coached live if you like. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Thrive Beyond Pornography. If you're seeking guidance and support to overcome pornography for good and begin creating a thriving life beyond it, check out my free webinar, How to Overcome Pornography with Skills That Actually Work. You'll learn practical, proven skills guided by an expert coach who has personally overcome pornography. Whether you're getting started for just yourself or along with your spouse, Darcy and I can teach you the tools that will help you put your life on the right path for you. Be sure to check out the show notes for a direct link and... If you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, it would mean the world to us. Your reviews play a significant role in helping others discover the show so they can join us on this transformative journey. Thank you for being part of the Thrive Beyond Pornography community. Until our next episode, stay strong, stay focused, and keep thriving.